This is Passing Judgment, a podcast about the law and how it affects you. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. Think of me as your personal law professor as we navigate the big legal questions of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers. Hey, everybody, this is Passing Judgment, a podcast about big legal issues and how they affect you and what they really mean. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson, and today I'm going to bring you a quick breaking news episode of Passing Judgment. I want to explain to you what the charges against the president's son, Hunter Biden, really mean. So let's dive right in. President Joe Biden's son has been indicted by special counsel David Weiss, I'll talk about him more in a moment, on three felony gun charges. Hunter Biden is being charged with one count of false statement in purchase of a firearm, one count of false statement related to information required to be kept by federal firearms licensed dealers, and one count of possession of a firearm by a person who is an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance. What does all of this mean? Essentially, what is alleged to have happened is that in 2018, Hunter Biden lied on a federal form when he purchased a gun, that he said he was not using controlled substances when in fact he was, and that he was possessing a firearm when in fact he should not have been allowed to. Now, who brought these charges? They're brought by special counsel David Weiss, who was elevated in the Department of Justice by former President Trump. He was asked to stay on by the Biden administration to avoid the appearance that President Biden was picking the attorney who was investigating his son. So why are we talking about this now? Why now when it comes to these charges? As many of you may know, these charges were previously part of a plea agreement that actually fell apart in open court. Hunter Biden had agreed to enter a pretrial diversion program, essentially saying, I will be part of this program and I will agree to stay out of trouble for two years to avoid prosecution on these gun-related charges. Part of this plea agreement also included tax evasion charges. As is typically the case when it comes to these types of plea agreements, everybody goes to court, they explain to the judge what the plea agreement is, the judge asks a few questions and then says, yes, I'm blessing this plea agreement. But that's not what happened in this case, and it was kind of extraordinary. In fact, what happened is that the judge said, basically, is this the end of the road to the Department of Justice that was investigating Hunter Biden? And the Department of Justice said, no, there could be other unrelated charges that we might still bring. And Hunter Biden's defense team said, that's not our understanding. Our understanding is that the plea deal includes everything that was potentially on the table and that Hunter Biden is not facing other potential crimes here. Now, the other big reason that the plea deal fell apart is that the judge expressed some concern about the structure of the plea deal. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about that other than to say the judge didn't really, I think, agree with slash understand why these two different types of alleged crimes, the gun-related crimes and the tax evasion crimes, were included in this plea agreement the way that they were. 
So the plea agreement falls apart. The sides then go back to the table, Hunter Biden's side, the Department of Justice. They try and reach an agreement, and then it becomes clear that they cannot. The Department of Justice alerts all of us a few days ago saying an indictment is forthcoming, and all of the reporting indicates that it will be about these gun charges. So Hunter Biden faces a potential but not probable maximum of 25 years in federal prison. Now, I think that he's going to bring up a number of defenses, and I want to highlight two for you. One is the idea that that pretrial diversion agreement that I just talked about that was part of the plea agreement, that that still remains in effect and that, in fact, that should be honored. The Department of Justice is going to say that was never signed by a probation officer, and so that's null and void, which is another way of saying, and therefore we are free to move forward on this indictment. Now, the second defense, and I think this will be a fascinating one to watch, is the idea that Hunter Biden will say, I'm protected by the Second Amendment, which of course protects the right to bear arms. And so Hunter Biden, the son of a Democratic president who is trying to create more gun control measures, might, as part of his defense in this federal criminal case, say, actually, you federal government could never bring these charges, or at least all of these charges, in the first place because the law that you're charging me under actually violates the Second Amendment. And specifically, I think what we need to look for, what Hunter Biden may argue, is that the law that prohibits certain drug users from possessing a gun actually infringes on individuals' Second Amendment rights. Now, it would be absolutely fascinating if this case involving Hunter Biden, where he, I think, is likely to make a Second Amendment argument goes all the way up to the Supreme Court and makes new case law enlarging the rights of gun owners because of everything that led up to this case. I think that would be really an extraordinary way to get another Second Amendment ruling. Now, what is this not about? This case is not about those tax evasion charges that were part of the previous plea agreement. This case is also not about any foreign business dealings by Hunter Biden. And again, the question as to whether or not Hunter Biden will face a future indictment for those foreign business dealings is part of the reason why the plea agreement fell apart, with the Department of Justice saying, yes, the investigation is ongoing. And again, Hunter Biden's team saying, basically, you've got to be kidding me. We thought this was the end of the road. Now, what's the political backdrop here? Well, just this week, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden based on his alleged connections to Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. Now, House Republicans have been looking into this for months. They have found no direct link between President Biden and any alleged wrongdoing by his son, Hunter Biden. But I think what we need to prepare for is months of hearing by House committees. We're going to be looking at House committees using their subpoena powers to bring witnesses in to testify about Hunter Biden's activities and whether or not they can be connected to President Biden. There will also be subpoenas for a lot of financial documents, uh, likely in possession of 
President Biden and members of his family. So this impeachment inquiry, well, again, it's been started by Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I think because he's faced an enormous amount of pressure from the right wing of his caucus, while it's being started where there really isn't that foundation of evidence to indicate that there's any connection in terms of business dealings or corruption or any other nefarious activities between the president and his son, it is coming at a time that is particularly precarious for Hunter Biden with respect to his legal future. Again, the summary here, Hunter Biden has been indicted. He's facing three felony counts related to gun possession and his gun purchase. And he will likely face charges that involve tax evasion and may face additional charges as well. I hope that helped to answer some of your big questions about the Hunter Biden indictment and what it means and what we can expect moving forward. And I wish everybody a great day.